He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Welcome to episode 7, season 2 of Not Your Average Cricket Show, where we're hitting traditional cricket commentary for six. I'm Zoe George. And I'm Justin Gregory. We're following all the action from the ICC Men's Cricket World Cup in England, bringing you analysis, cricket puns, local legends, cricket-related current affairs, and guest hosts every Monday during the tournament. You can join the conversation on the RNZ Vox Pops app or email us cricket at rnz.co.nz. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, or at rnz.co.nz forward slash series. And of course, you can listen to us on the RNZ app. And on today's show, we cross to the UK for not one, but two correspondents. First, we're going to chat with former Black Caps paceman Ian O'Brien, and then we'll hear from RNZ's Ravinda Hunia. We dissect the Black Caps game against England, eek, and get our predictions for the semis and the final. And our guest co-host today is international cricketer and white fern wicketkeeper Katie Martin. Katie made her international debut in 2003 against England and during her career she played 75 ODIs, 74 T20s for New Zealand. She scored more than 1,300 runs in the longer format. Kia ora. Lovely to have you on the show, Katie. Thanks for having me. And I should say it's an ongoing career because you're not retired just yet. <laughs> I know, it's 2003, it's a long time ago, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Uh, 16 years keeping wickets for the White Ferns. How are your knees, Katie? They're not too bad, actually. I had. Um, I guess I've been fortunate that Rachel Priest was wicketkeeper for a wee period of that time when I wasn't selected, so I've been able to manage to keep them intact so far. So we'll see how we go over the next 18 months. Yeah. And your hands? Oh, yeah, there's a few broken fingers. One points in the wrong direction. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they're all The good. sacrifices that we make for the game that we love. I know, I know. If only the balls went in the middle of the hands every time, then we wouldn't have broken fingers. But... Oh, my. And it throws up, <laughs> throws up over the stumps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, of course, we're also meant to have another Martin on the show today. That's New Zealand cricket board member and former international cricketer Martin Sneddon. Last week, he'd agreed to come on the show to talk about his experiences both playing and administration as well as giving his picks for the semis and the final. However, we also wanted to get his take on the behaviour of Black Caps Scott Kugeline and more recently former rep cricketer and Taradale club cricketer Jason Trembeth, who has been jailed for grouping 11 women. While the main focus of this show is the World Cup, there's been so much talk about cricket's culture and Sneddon bringing such mana we flagged with him we'd want to hear from him on that. But sadly, Sneddon then pulled out of the interview. New Zealand cricket remains tight-lipped on both cases, but in emails from them, the organisation says its stance is that it won't publicly discuss elements of Scott Kugeline's trial in isolation without context and without knowing what the jury did or did not accept. The organisation also says, in regards to Jason Trembath, that the only people who could comment on the Facebook recording are those who are responsible, that is, officials from the Taradale Cricket Club. Neither New Zealand Cricket nor Central Districts have any jurisdiction over operational matters or players at this level. Sneddon, in turn, said he can't speak for the board, but also as a board member can't express an opinion. And we've asked New Zealand Cricket to provide another guest, however they weren't willing if we asked questions about these two cases. It's disappointing. We reckon you'd like to know if NZC has any concerns about player behaviour. And given Sneddon's standing in NZ Sport, we thought he could handle a question or two, even if he couldn't say much. But I guess that's their choice. We just thought you should know about it. And of course, the door remains open. We'd love to have someone from New Zealand Cricket on the show, just as long as we get to choose the questions. On anyway, with the show. <laughs> on with the show. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh, where do we not start? I just, oh, they totally capitulated against England last week and only just squeaked into the semis their 119-run loss to the hosts, follow losses to both Australia and Pakistan in pool play. I just don't even know where to start, to be quite honest. Now we faced India in the semis. Are we surprised by this? Well, to ask that question, let's cross to one of our UK correspondents. Former international player Ian O'Brien is on the line now. Ian, were you surprised by any of this? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Look, I, again, how many times have I told? How many times have I told you England got the best team in the competition, and also when the best team in the competition wins the toss on a pitch like that, uh, then you expect uh, New Zealand to um, to go down in the way they did in that last um, in the last play game. So, no big surprise. But they had done everything they had to do to qualify for the semis. And if if we all had been sitting around the table and said, would New Zealand reach the semis? I knew I would say yes, but I don't think a lot of other people outside of, uh, certainly outside of New Zealand would have have thought so. So job done. Uh, In some respects, New Zealand had made the semis in the World Cup final for two two consecutive uh, World Cups. That's pretty special. But are you content with how they got there and then the state that they're in? I'd love them to be to be going better. I also think that um, the last uh, they played twice at Edgbaston, which is really hard to bat second on, and I've done that. And they had to bat second at um, at Chesley Street up in uh, up north, and that was a real tough uh, tough surface to bat on second. We've seen pitches that have that have they've just gone backwards so quickly. Uh, you'd normally see from over so take take the Durham game for example, from overs one to fifty. That would normally be the whole way, the whole lot. The pitch would change across the whole hundred overs, across the whole game. Um, it got to about thirty overs, and it was pretty tough to bat on, uh, even in the first innings. Good luck chasing down any sort of target in the second. Uh, the pitches haven't been great, um, and it has come down to a coin toss. So, um, okay, New Zealand play at Old Trafford next game, so coin toss is a little bit less uh, less relevant there. Good pitches. Uh, there, so hopefully we should see a good game against India. Mm, what's going on with our top order? Let's face it, they haven't fired pretty much all tournament. Now's the time to step up against India because if they don't, that's it, we're toast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there is there is nothing else. Look, I've I've asked for a couple of changes, and I think I've um I think I've banged on uh, long enough about those uh, couple of changes in terms of um, order switcheroonies. And and some player um, some player switches. I don't think they can bring someone from outside the um, the guys that have been playing into this um, team. So I, I I do think that Blundell will end up going through this tournament without a without a game, which is really really disappointing because he should have played uh, should have played three in my opinion. What they do at the top of the order, I'm not sure. Look, I, I still want. Um, I think it should be Latham and Guptill should open, and, yeah. and, and that allows Matt Henry, Henry Nichols, to bat uh, to bat towards the middle order. Yeah, Katie, you bat up the order, don't you? Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I, I just picking up on your point about the wickets. I'm I, I'm not surprised the wickets have got a little bit rougher as the as the tournament's gone on. When we were there a few years ago for our World Cup, mm. you know there was uh, yeah there was definitely low, slow, oh. slow wicket. So um, I'm not surprised. I was actually surprised we didn't pick three spinners um, going into the World Cup because of that. But um, yeah, hopefully the the wicket will play quite well. I'm at Old Trafford, and look, I'm really confident against India. But um, like you say, I think we're we're probably a little bit luckless with the bat at the moment. I think Martin Guptill's got out in some really unique fashions at times. Um, and I think <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> little things that may go your way. I mean, you look at England, they've sort of 
they've rode their luck as they've gone and, and I guess that's what they say these days, you know, if you give it a bit, a bit of a nudge at the top, you know, things sort of go your way. So hopefully that'll that'll happen for us. But I'm all for more wicket keepers in the uh, batting lineup. I can tell you that. Us gritty ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I think I think New Zealand had four wicket keepers playing at, uh, at one stage to go back uh, a couple of years. I'm um, just picking up on your point, on one of those points, Katie. Uh, the way England have finished, they've finished strongly. OK, let's switch New Zealand's schedule. Uh, let's flip it 180 and say we finished with how we started. Would we be feeling this way? I don't think we would. Um, would we uh, be feeling a little doom and gloom had we have um, played England, Australia and and uh, and uh, Pakistan early in the tournament and then finished with um, Bangladesh and, and Afghanistan, etc.? I think we'd be feeling a whole lot better. So it doesn't mean that we're in a bad place. If we'd managed to play the game against India that was rained out, what do you think the conversation is that we'd be having now? Yeah, and if that game wasn't rained out, and if, uh, let's say, our Afghanistan game was rained out, and there was a bit of rain down in Taunton on that game, there was we didn't lose any sort of... It didn't affect the result, but um, there was time lost. Let's say that the Afga- Afghanistan game was rained off and we lost to India, then, then we'd be... Um, uh, some of the boys would be home already. I think you'd also turn around and say, well, well, that was unlucky. We got rained out at a game that we were guaranteed, you know, a couple of points. So I think you can sort of, you know, say what if all the way through. And I'm sure Pakistan is saying that as well at the moment. But you play what's in front of you. And, uh, you know, we've played really well at the front end to get us in the position that we are. And, mm. you know, like Ian said at the start, we're in a semi-final and mm. it's two games and you've got the trophy. So no matter what's happened before, I think it's, you know, going forward, we've just got to put everything out there and, you know, you know, like old Brendan McCullum says a lot of the times, just play fearlessly and, and give it everything we've got and see how you go. Katie Martin and Ian O'Brien are our guests on Not Your Average Cricket Show today. Ian, what's the feeling like uh, in England at the moment? They've come off a win against New Zealand and now they're off to face Australia in the semi-finals. Is there a, a feeling of happiness about that? <laughs> I, I don't think they really wanted to play... Uh, Australia in the semi. I think they, I think England would have much uh, have preferred us or or India. I think there's just a little bit more known about um, New Zealand and uh, and India in terms of actual match winners that can ruin a game for the opposition. I think um, I think Australia have a lot of players that can just ruin a day for the opposition. I think they've got three or four with the bat, and they've certainly got three uh, with the ball. Uh, I think India and New Zealand have less, have fewer. Uh, players that can that can absolutely take a game away from you. So I don't think they'll be particularly happy. But I also don't think it matters because England are that good. <laughs> yeah, so that's your pick. England are going to beat Australia. What about in the other semi, New Zealand versus India? Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm happy New Zealand got to the semi. So that was my prediction. But, but I, again, I think also New Zealand will be very happy that they're playing, uh, playing India. They're certainly happy that they don't necessarily have to play Australia with that kind of crazy X-factor lineup, And they'll be happy they don't come across England in the semi-final. So India is the team that New Zealand would have wanted um, given how the tournament finished. So, so New Zealand have their best position, their best opposition uh, to have success. And a lot of the New Zealand guys play a lot, of, lot with those Indian guys, so uh, it's a pretty good matchup, and I think it'll be better than um, <laughs> I hope <laughs> it'll be better than than, than uh, I think some some doom and gloomers uh, are prospecting. And if we win the toss bat first, Old Trafford, yeah, probably it, it didn't get easier for let's take the West Indies game, uh, the New Zealand West Indies game. It didn't get that much 
It didn't get easier back in second. It didn't get that much harder, but it didn't get easier. Uh, he absolutely won the toss back first, put a score up. And uh, and I think our, our bowlers can defend. Uh, they're pretty good at taking wickets when there's some scoreboard pressure. Uh, and I like our bowling attack, bowling second. Maybe a chance for Ish to come in as well, come back in uh, on that bigger surface. Uh, maybe for Tim Southey. That's tough on Tim. Uh, only one game, but I think uh, bigger surface um, and batting first. Ish could, uh, could be a player. Mm. Poor old Tim bowled at the best time to bat too, didn't he, in the game against England? Oh, he bowled, and he bowled rusty to two of the best, or to the best opening <laughs> partnership almost ever, I think ever, in, in one-day international cricket. The best opening partnership in one-day international cricket ever, and he had to bowl rusty. And I'll tell you what, his figures at the end of the game were, were superb for a guy that hadn't played for a couple of months. Uh, I thought he came back so well. I thought he bowled so good uh, after that. Um, after he didn't have to bowl, after he'd done with bowling to the openers. Um, so well on Tim, but maybe him that misses out, um, uh, depending on how um, Ferguson's uh, groin is. That was international mm. black cap Ian O'Brien. Katie, you've played in a few World Cups. It's crunch time now. So what's the core focus for the teams when you get to this stage? Yeah, I think like I know the Black Caps were thinking it's just one game, and you know I think they'll take a lot of confidence from that game that they played India um, in the in the warm up match. I know that it was only a warm up match, but I mean it's always good to reflect back on something that that's gone well, apart from the last week or so. Um, and look, I think hopefully our big names will stand up. But yeah, look, you know it's uh, once in a lifetime, as they say. So uh, I think I think they'll go all right. I think like Ian said, I much prefer to play uh, India than Australia. Um, so. <laughs> And I, I don't usually say that often, but, um, mm. you yeah, know, it's definitely definitely the preference. So tell me, Katie Martin, are you picking Amelia Kerr out of the hand when you're standing up to the stumps these days? I actually admit I do, <laughs> um, <laughs> surprisingly. No, about 95% of the time. Um, but, yeah, no, no, she's she's got some really good variations and we chat a lot. Um, she's a confident kid, so uh, I'm always sort of picking notes from her in that. Um, we'll t- I'll test her in the nets if I'm batting against her to, to call out what she's bolt. So uh, I think I've gone all right so far, but she might not say the same. I did miss a stumping off her when we played. I think she was in the A team and I went the wrong way and it went, both pa- went past the batter and myself. So uh, she was not happy about that, I can tell you that now. <laughs> what was your best moment behind the stumps? Something that really stuck in your head. Oh, goodness. Um, probably every leg side stumping that I've taken, to be honest. Yeah, um, I remember yeah. back in the day I stumped Rebecca Rolls down leg side and she was the White Ferns wicketkeeper at the time. And uh, <laughs> I tell you, it was the best feeling in the world. And I can still <laughs> see the ball a mile away. And then, yeah, unfortunately, when I went out to bat, she stumped me down leg side too. So, <laughs> yeah, Just sending little a... messages to each other, you know, and to the selectors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a bit competitive, as you know. So, uh, no, it's, uh, it's I love being in the game wicketkeeping, I can tell you. I love a bit of chat as well. Um, I think the girls sometimes don't understand what comes out my mouth, but I probably don't understand it either. But, you know, it's <laughs> better than sitting there silently. How hard is Leah Tahuhu hitting the gloves these days? Yeah, she's bowling very, very quick. She's, a, I mean, she's at one mid-twenties, um, and but that's X-factor player between us having, you know, one of the fastest bowlers in the world and one of the best spinners in the world. At, you know, like our bowling attack's pretty strong. You, Katie, also play for Otago, but you live in Christchurch. So how does that work? Yes, um, I've been here for probably about 15 years. Um, I moved up here for the New Zealand Cricket Academy back in the day. 
My father actually said I wasn't allowed to play for Canterbury, and if I did, he'd disown me. So I've stuck, <laughs> oh, stuck no. with the blue and gold ever since. Oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to get um, reminded from where you come from. But look, I absolutely love Otago, and um, you know, one trait of Otago or Dunedin Knights is, is being loyal. And obviously, Susie's the same. She's, mm. she's. I mean, spends most of her time outside of Dunedin, um, but she keeps coming back. So I absolutely love it. And you know, it's about making sure that I can give back to the province and, and help the youngsters come through. So I probably get to miss out on the uh, winter training with the team, which is a bit unfortunate, but um, yeah, I'm fortunate that I can be up in Christchurch at train with New Zealand cricket out here. And uh, and what's happening with contracts for women this coming summer? Because I know that the men's domestic teams, some of those contracts have already been announced. Is the same thing going to happen with women? Yeah, it's a great question. I know they're going through the MOU um, discussions and mm. I'm um, expecting some... Um, decisions to be made over the next couple of weeks. Our new contracting period starts the 1st of August. So, look, hopefully I mean, it's a really good opportunity for um, New Zealand cricket to make a stance on, on women's cricket and, you know, hopefully look at, um, I guess, investing more money for not only the White Ferns um, girls to be more full-time or more professional contracts, but also the domestic girls. And, and obviously there was a lot of chat at the end of last year about, um, you know, the girls playing exactly the same as the boys and not getting any match payments for that. So I'm sure that's a focus of the discussions and I'm not privy to those so we'll just see what comes out but hopefully um, there is an increase in investment because um, it's definitely needed and, and as you've seen you know we've sort of gone backwards over the last few years just purely because we don't have the same time to invest as, as the other international teams have and you know with the World Cup home World Cup in 2021 it's a critical time now over the next 18 months so fingers crossed um, you know everyone's on the right part, um, right pages at New Zealand Cricket and the Players Association and we're moving forward how we need to. Let's cross now to RNZ's Ravinda Hunia, who's been on the road following the Black Caps for RNZ. She's been to some pretty cool places, including sitting in the UFO-shaped media centre at Lords. She joins us from Manchester. Kia ora, Ravinda. Kia ora, Zoe. You're with the Black Caps camp at the moment. What's the feeling like with the team? You've got to kind of feel for the Black Caps. The media over here are pretty harsh. Um, on them, uh, obviously finishing uh, fourth in, in the top four to make it through to the semi-finals. There was a question actually posed at the Black Caps training today about how they feel about being touted as the easy route for another, for the Indians to the grand final, and that was asked to Lockie Ferguson, Gary Steadan, and also to Trent Bolt, and all three of them. Not defensive, but kind of were in a sense where they're like, you know, we've done the hard yards, we're here for a reason, we are, you know, one of the top four best teams in the world and we deserve to be here. So it kind of feels like they're trying to, you know, justify that they are supposed, you know, that they they, they should be here. And I kind of felt for them in that way. Um, but that's, of course, off the back of their three consecutive losses and um, coming up against an inform India. And um, if they make it past India, they're possibly, you know, facing Australia and England, who they've lost to already. And and so, you know, the odds are against them at the moment. The media are being a bit harsh over here, I must admit. Mm. Um, uh, Katie, I just want to bring you in here. How do you get your head back into a good place when you've gone through a number of losses like this? Yeah, I think it is challenging with the media getting on your back and, um, you know, I think that's what the English media are like a wee bit. But, look, I think you've just got to get around each other. That's sort of the attitude that, that I take and, 
you know, like they've got nothing to lose, to be fair. If they lose, they're out. Um, but they've got a lot to gain from that. So, look, I think they'll take, you know, they'll train really well over the next couple of days and, and hopefully put those outside influences um, to the side and, yeah, just get stuck in. And I think, you know, that they've just got to pick up their attitude and, and, and play with a bit more intent. And I know that's probably the conversations that they're having at the moment. So... The English media can't be any tougher than the Pakistani fans on social media over the last few days. <laughs> I think any fans on social media, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. They're feeling a little robbed. I think it's <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Ravinda, speaking of you, coming up to the semi-final, India versus New Zealand split loyalties for you, eh? You know what? We've had this conversation before, haven't we? About <laughs> we have. Scenario. Should it play out so like this? So where are you with thought... it now? Where are you with it now? Well, to be fair, I, you know, for all money, I thought, oh, okay, well, I'm going, I'm watching a New Zealand Australia replay, and then, you know, in the dying hour, it turned out to be India. So, you know, I've had a conversation with my dad about it, and my dad is actually a staunch Black Caps supporter. So, I'm kind of a bit torn about it. Like, oh, okay, if my dad's supporting the Black Caps, maybe I should. My dad's obviously the the Indian. Um, my mum's from New Zealand. Um, so I'm like, oh, maybe you know. Do I follow my dad? But I, I can't help but, you know, feel an allegiance. And, and the reason being is that when you watch these India games and you listen to the crowds, you're not only watching the support, you're hearing the language, you're listening to the music. And these are things that I've, you know, grown up with and, um, you know, feel a real personal attachment to. So when I uh, see the dancing and things like that, I can't help but feel festive and things just like these fans that I call my my counterparts. Uh, well, let's let's, let's but, put it in slightly different terms for you, uh, for you, Ravinda. Which country's national broadcaster paid for you to be over there to cover these games? Now, I was it India? Was it India? That into my you slipped that into my Twitter today. <laughs> and I was thinking, I was trying to think, I was trying to think of a really clever reply and couldn't think of one because you're 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 right. As journalists, though, we're meant to be impartial, right? So uh, yeah, we shouldn't right. really cheer for anyone. I come in, I, I come in as an unbiased RNZ reporter, I think. I, that, that will be my safety net. RNZ Ravinda Hunia, thanks so much. We are going to talk to you hopefully again next week following the final. Who's your picks for the finals? Who's going to win? Sorry. I think, okay. My heart says black caps for the semi-final. My head says India for semi-final one. Mm-hmm. For semi-final two, I would have to back Australia. Oh, so India-Australia final then. Yeah. We'll see if your predictions are right next week. Thanks so much, Ravinda <laughs> Hernia. Thank you. We continue our Local Legends segment this week with something a little bit different. The name Seth Rance will be familiar to cricket fans. He's a Central District stag and has played for the Black Caps, debuting for the team in 2017. But when he's not busy on the pitch, he's either working on a building site, he's a qualified builder, or giving back to his Wairarapa community in a different way. He's a volunteer firefighter. I caught up with him recently and started by asking why he wanted to be a firefighter. As a kid growing up in a small town and seeing the fire service going out and, and always kind of wanted to be a part of something like that, helping the community. And uh, I went down when I was 16 and, and asked to join and they accepted me of open arms and here we are 15 years later. Are there any uh, transferable skills between cricket and firefighting? There, there actually are a lot, uh, especially the working under pressure one is the common one really. Um, 
at cricket, obviously, you're, you're under a lot of pressure at times with either um, lots of people in the crowd or lots of people watching on TV. And and then with the fire service, you're, you're making split-second decisions that can potentially affect the outcome of someone's life. So, um, yeah, I suppose working under pressure is a skill that I've had to develop and um, they seem to fit quite well between fire service and cricket. When you are not playing cricket and not being a volunteer firefighter, you're a builder. I am, yes, yeah. How important is it to have something like that to fall back on uh, when you're not playing cricket? Yeah, it is extremely important, especially with cricket being so fickle around selection. Um, Mum and Dad kind of pushed me in the right direction to get a trade behind me before I went full-time with cricket. So out of school, I, I did my apprenticeship, and that's something that, um, I'm still using now and it's certainly a skill that's, that's quite handy to have. And it's good advice for those coming through who might want to play domestic cricket or international cricket, having something else to keep you going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And it's a change of scene from cricket too. Cricket can be um, something that takes up a lot of time and a lot of mental energy can be wasted on uh, worrying about selection and stuff. So to be able to have another skill that you can fall back on and, and kind of get away from cricket, it, it's certainly handy to have. And you're based in Greytown. There's something beautiful about that part of the world. It's a very special place, yes. yeah. It's I mean, a, a place I hold dearly in my heart. I've, I've been there all my life and it's an amazing community. And, and there's been opportunities where I could have moved elsewhere to further my cricket career, but I've stayed pretty firm and loyal to, to Greytown and we certainly love living there. And so the cricket season uh, starts again shortly, doesn't it? You've just been named as part of the CD Stags as the contracted players for this year, so that's got to be a bit of a weight lifted off your shoulders. Yeah, it is nice to know that there's a bit of security there for the next uh, seven months or so with um, cricket as my job. So, yeah, it's cool. And we hopefully have another successful year at the Stags. We've got a good bunch of players and, and we're all good mates, so it's um, certainly good fun. Yeah, that makes a difference. All right, going to let you go shortly, but what advice would you give to someone in the community out there who wants to give back either through cricket as a volunteer or as a volunteer firefighter? Um, I would say just get involved. It's quite easy to sit back and and let someone else do it or think that you're going to do it and and it just be a pipe dream, but unless you get out there and and actually roll the sleeves up and get involved, then then it won't happen. as we see time and time again, the community, it's, it's such a rewarding thing to be involved with um, and there's so many people out there that put their hands up for stuff. So um, I would just say just get involved and help out where you can. You can never have enough support in the community and that's um, what makes us tick, really. Seth Rance, you'll be able to catch him this summer with the CD Stags. They are my team. Them and the Hines. Sorry, Katie. <laughs> He's supporting CD and Australia now. Yeah. <laughs> I've always supported CD. They've been my team for a very long time. Grew up in central districts. I will admit there is a CD, you know, CD and Otago very closely aligned. And if, if Otago ever, you know, we didn't have enough players, we'd always amalgamate with CD. So they're our, they're our second team, I can tell you that. Oh, so there. That's okay. Yeah, I definitely support Otago behind, second behind CD. Oh, and sometimes Wellington since I live in Wellington. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's a I hard find one. It's virtually impossible to yell for Wellington in any sport at all, even having lived there on three different occasions. Why is that? What's so wrong with Wellington? 
The weather, the weather, the weather, Zoe. <laughs> oh, hey, you know, there's nothing like that uh, roaring southerly through the Basin Reserve. At, uh... I, I grew up in Canterbury pitches, right? Standing back, taking the ball at waist height, <laughs> beautiful, moved to Wellington, kept on keeping, took the ball around my ankles for about seven years in a row. I hate cricket in Wellington. The pitches there are rubbish. <laughs> there should be a, a certain, um, you know, when it rains and it gets cancelled, there should be a wind cancellation too, I tell you. There's I nothing agree. worse than your hat blowing off your head and then you're trying to run to the boundary and pick it up and when you're wicket keeping and it's you know you um, catch into the fastest bowl and you're pretty much standing on the boundary it's that fast it's just not great cricket is it really and the ball swings two or three meters after it passes the bat because <laughs> of the crosswind you know yeah god yeah i didn't have the technique for that game frankly but i do have the broken fingers to prove that i played it <laughs> <laughs> um seth is a builder and a firefighter katie what do you do when you're not playing cricket yeah, so I work in an IT company. I head up a, our transitions team there. So I, I tell you, I'm not technical, but I can restart a computer. So that's as far as I go. So uh, yeah, we, um, you know, it's a pretty stressful job, and um, you know, but I, I love it. I, I like the balance between cricket and working. It keeps my mind occupied because I can tell you what it goes. <laughs> as you know, we keepers love being in the game, so um, it's always operating. So uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoy work, um, but yeah, it does does take a lot to manage manage cricket and. And work. Mm. And what's on the cards for the White Ferns this season? Yeah, so we've got um, obviously another six months of um, of winter training. We had a session last week with the tactics, and uh, I tell you, my calves were absolutely killing me. So I'm not sure how they do it. Um, but yeah, so we've got six months of winter training, and then back into January, we've got the South Africans coming over, um, which will be great preparation before the 2020 World Cup in Australia in March, and then we head over to Sri Lanka pretty much straight after that. So. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be good laying the foundations as as Bob Carter says, while he's yelling at us at training um, to get ourselves ready for the World Cup. So it's a big mm. year next year, that's for sure. Tell me, Katie, are you still haunted by Meg Lanning's catch of you from 2017? I do actually think about that innings a lot. Um, <laughs> I was on for a hundred that day. I tell you, it was the best I've been in a long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a guess it took they an say, astounding catch oh. to get rid of you. They say if you hit it in the air, then you're getting it. You're a chance to get out. But um, yeah, no. Look, I, yeah, it was pretty disappointing. I mean, when you get that close to to score a hundred, you sort of want to kick on. But you know, that's the Aussie's fear. I think I've got. I'm more haunted by her for uh, <laughs> for us having one hand on the rose bowl, and then she scores a hundred, and then it, that's it. So, uh, oh look, she's one of the best players in the world, and um, you know, unfortunately, for me, I, you know, I got her at the wrong point in time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's put our predictions in. It's crunch time for the World Cup. First semi is on Tuesday between New Zealand and India. What are your picks? India. I'm going New Zealand. Oh. I might be silly, I might be the only one, but I'm going for New Zealand. Yeah, I'm kind <laughs> of with Ravinda. Heart says New Zealand, head says India, so I'm going with India. Second semi-finals on Thursday the 11th between England and Australia. Australia. I'm definitely 100% Australia. Not supporting them, but uh, I think the English will struggle against the ball coming in at the top of the order. There you go. There's my call. Yeah, and I'm picking Australia as well. So we're looking at an India-Australia final. Are India going to take it out? Well, I've been picking India since the start of the tournament. Um, I still want to do that, but Australia have been frightening of late. Um, and, oh, crikey, just think about that game against South Africa just over the weekend. That's one of the best games of cricket I've mm. ever seen. Mm. That was a cracker. But Australia have this habit of getting a bit a bit niggly after they've lost a game and a bit better. They go up a gear or two. So probably Australia all the way, to be honest. I'm, I think Australia might take out this Cricket World Cup. 
Katie. Yeah, yeah, I think Australia will take it out. Um, Yeah, I'm sort of one of those ones that, you know, like you didn't expect Australia to lose that got New Zealand against India, which we'd prefer. And I sort of think, you know, maybe it is meant to be that, you know, that we can tip over the Indians. But I definitely think Australia are just going to be too strong. And even though they've had a few injuries, the guys coming in, you know, want to prove themselves. I mean, I heard Matt Wade is coming back in the squad in place of Khawaja. So uh, that'll be interesting whether they pick him in their team, but no, I'm definitely, I think Australia will take it all the way, unfortunately. Uh, I'm Ooh. backing India, so let's see who's <laughs> right on Monday. Katie, before we go, we ask all of our guests for a pro tip, so what's your pro tip? I think it's having fun, to be fair. Um, that's my pro tip. Um, I think that, you know, if you bring your, your A game, your A attitude, then I think, um, you know, things will come off. And, and that's what I think the Black Caps, if they bring their A attitude, I think that things will come off for them. So there you go. There's my pro tip. What have you noticed about the changes in wicketkeepers' techniques over the last 20 years or so? The old-fashioned crouch and, and lift up is largely disappearing, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, to be fair, I'm old school. I crouch down and I can feel it after the game, that's for sure. But, um, mm. yeah, they sort of just talk around, you know, staying in a tall position and then touch your gloves down. It's all about rising with the bounce of the ball and I think that's what that's what the new age keepers are doing. Um, more probably about saving your legs as well and the new theory of standing um, in front of the stumps when the throw's coming in, to, they think it's quicker to, to put the ball back onto the wickets. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that. It's not something that I do, but... Um, yeah, it's it's interesting that the that it's evolving. Um, but what's what's your jam? Do you like standing up or standing back? Um, I prefer standing up. I think standing back, you you sort of don't feel as much in the game. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of more of a thinking wicketkeeper. Whereas I think if you stand up, it does eliminate you know to the pace bowlers it eliminates the bouncer option. And I tell you, standing up to Sophie Devine when she bowls a bouncer isn't much fun. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, I have stood up to a fast bowler many years ago when they were so annoyed they um, bowled the ball so far down leg side it went for four five wides and told me to stand back. So yeah, and then <laughs> I've they glare at you there. like it's yeah. your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but that's bowlers for you. You meant to catch everything, don't you? So. Uh, <laughs> People think that keeping's an easy game, but I tell you, once they get the gloves on, then they uh, they do struggle a wee bit. Susie Bates is is um, she absolutely loves to wicket keep, and I remember when we played um, ND in a Sparks game, and I had a bit of illness, and she was the only one that had some ability to catch, and she was standing up to the stumps, and every ball she's like, oh oh, it was nearly out. And Emily Drum at the time, she said, um, yeah, she said a couple of words that were not appropriate for radio, and <laughs> <laughs> Susie quickly uh, shut up, but she didn't want to let the gloves go. So yeah, I think. <laughs> Um, she did admit that it was a lot harder than uh, what everyone everyone thinks it is. But yeah, I tell you, it's the it's the best position to be in because you're in there. You know, you get to have a few words with not much, not many too many consequences. <laughs> Depends if it's against <laughs> the Australians or not. Um, but yeah, no, I think yeah, it's it's a great position. But yeah, standing up keeps you in the game, and you know, it's nothing nothing uh, too satisfying than getting a great stumping. Amen. And that's it for this episode of Not Your Average Cricket Show. Thanks again to Ian O'Brien, Ravinda Hunia, Seth Rance and Katie Martin. And we're back next week for the final show with Minister for Sport Grant Robertson and Wellington paranormal actor Karen O'Leary. Regardless of how the Black Caps go, it's set to be a cracker of a show. Not Your Average Cricket Show was produced and presented by Zoe George and me, Justin Gregory. The engineer today is Phil Benj. The executive producer is Tim Watkin. Subscribe to every Not Your Average Cricket Show podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify and Radio Public or at rnz.co.nz forward slash series. And while you're on Apple, please rate us by clicking on ratings and reviews, then the stars. It's dead easy and really important. This way, more people get to hear about us. And if you want to share your picks or have a suggestion for a local legend, then you can email us, cricket at rnz.co.nz. 
www.cooperative.co.nz. Noho, Otomai. Catch you later.